Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Jay Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. It's beautiful outside. It's 54 degrees, my kind of weather. And this is going to be exciting. We have the author of Azilio's Garden here, and that's Sandra Shaw Homer. She's calling from Costa Rica. This is exciting. So good morning and welcome to MJ Network. MJ is after my sister who encouraged me to do this before she passed away 10 years. So it's in her honor that the station is here and I'm really glad to be doing this. So how are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much, Fran. It's good to be with you. Well, I'm glad that, that Cherry was nice enough to send me the book and surprise me with it. So tell us about Costa Rica and why you decided to move there. Because not, not enough people oh, know, about, know about, about it. Well, this is uh, this goes back 30 years and even more. Uh, when uh, mm-hmm. my ex-husband and I um, were burning out, we had a small public relations business and uh, we're partners. And um, when you're partners with your husband, um, your clients call you at all hours of the day and night, and it just uh, you can't get away from it. So we um, uh, were looking for um, a quieter, more peaceful lifestyle and a kinder climate. And the climate in Philadelphia is pretty awful. And um, my husband had spent some time in Panama during the Korean conflict, uh, and. Um, with the Air Force, and um, he felt he would be comfortable living in a Central American country. And it just so happened we ran into an honorary consul from Costa Rica, and she explained to us uh, the ease with which you could get residency here. Um, Not every country uh, makes it very easy. So um, we've just pursued it um, with a lawyer here, and... uh, made several trips and um, found a property we liked and um, sold our business, sold our house, and it mm. took me about a year and a half, but we got we got down here. And um, I specifically wanted to spend some time writing, and I wanted to become bilingual, and um, my, my ex-husband enjoyed the fishing and gardening and being in the outdoors. So, um, uh, you know, it was, at first it was just a dream. Mm. Well, what what fascinated me with the book, I kept reading it over and over again, is the flora and fauna and the different animals and wildlife that you focused on. How come you, you know, it's so different than from up here? Yes, quite a few of them are different, although we we have skunks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So... uh... But there are armadillos and uh, um, um, a whole bunch of different kinds of wild cats. Uh, um, um, And there's some similar ones, too. We have a small white-tailed deer, which is the the national animal. 
Um, we've got birds, really exotic looking birds galore, uh, all kinds of parrots and toucans and autopendulas. And, um, and the flora is, um, well, because it's the tropics, um, it's mm-hmm. green all year round. And that I just love that. Um, mm. uh, green. Green is, is a very important color to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that, I mean, that, that was the most And the fact that you put a glossary in the back made it even better. Because then I get to oh, learn, yeah, learn more I, about it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, any, and, anybody and, and, teaching, and you know, kids about flora and fauna or botanical gardens and flowers, this is a phenomenal book to learn. So tell us about how you met Avilio and why you gave him the small patch of land and what was his primary goal? Because I don't know how many people would do that. <laughs> well, Avenio grew up on a small holding, uh, as many people did around here. Uh, this is rural Costa Rica now. Um, uh, it's a fast developing country, but uh, out here in the in the countryside, uh, it's still very much like it was. I don't know, a hundred years ago. Um, People here have kind of been jerked from the 19th century into the 21st without anything in between. And so, so they still uh, uh, farm the way they used to farm. They still uh, uh, make their own cheese. They still grind their own coffee. They, uh, you know, everything is, um, you know, your small farm produces absolutely everything you need. Uh, and that's the way Avelio grew up. And, um, he, uh, my husband Roger, discovered him, uh, and he needed some help with some construction projects, and so he trained him to do uh, the specialty work. And eventually, Avelio helped us build our house uh, because he was quite good at basic carpentry and finishing drywall, and very meticulous. Mm. Um, and um, you know, a house is never finished; it's like, like a manuscript; it's never quite finished. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he asked us if he could uh, grow an organic garden in, in a patch of land we had uh, between the house and the lake, and um, um, we didn't want anything big growing there because we didn't want anything to obscure the view. We had a fabulous view in that house, um, the, virtually the whole lake and three volcanoes. Uh, it was just magnificent. So anyway, we agreed, and um, but then the weather just... Uh, turned out to be a real yeah. challenge for him. Um, the weather's changing. The weather is definitely changing. And uh, when here in the tropics, we basically have two seasons, the, the rainy season and the dry season. Mm. And that's true for all of the, all of the tropics. And, um, but that, those, that pattern is changing. And um, so it's less predictable. Um, you know, you plant for certain conditions, and if the conditions aren't right, you know, everything just goes, goes to hell. So he had a lot of frustrations, and um, somehow I had to participate in all of his emotional ups and downs. Uh, and oh, when wow. he got down, I would, yeah, I mean, he he really depended on me for, for emotional support throughout this entire project. But finally, finally, he got it right, and the conditions were right, and he had a beautiful, beautiful garden growing. And uh, uh, the biggest problem for Avelio was that he's he's not a marketer. He he, he couldn't he didn't know how to sell his stuff, 
and uh, he kept looking to me to try to use the internet to sell his vegetables. It was it was nuts. It was just nuts. Um, I I was frustrated and and sometimes mm. our our little intercultural clashes um, were difficult for both of us. But as we moved along, um, uh, quite a lovely friendship developed, you know, between us, and uh, um, we're still friends these many years later. Yeah, that, that, so, that's the main thing. Um, but you know what I missed though when I was reading this, as you were describing the gardens and the flora and the fauna and the animals, I said I want pictures. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to, I pictured everything the way you wrote, and I said, where are the pictures so I could see this? So you have animals, wildlife, which animals were the most dangerous? I mean, I was like, I was picturing these things, and I was looking them up, and I go like, oh, my God, I don't want that near me either. (laughs) Well, Costa Rica has 17 poisonous snakes, for one thing. Um, Oh, God. um, That's that's a danger. you keep your eyes on the ground when you're walking around. Um, you don't let the grass grow too high because um, they yeah. cover just like any other any other wild animal. Um, the we were reforesting our property, and uh, uh, as a consequence, we had an incredible number of new birds moving in. And um, uh, I, we also had a lot of small mammals. Um, uh, and I think that the area was not quite big enough to support a big cat, but there are um, jaguars and pumas and uh, ocelots and uh, a number of, of margays, a number of wild cats in Costa Rica, some of them smaller than others. But um, And we had deer on the property, which was just lovely you know, to be able to uh, provide a habitat for uh, mm. uh, and. And I should also mention the monkeys because uh, monkeys, everybody loves monkeys, and uh, we had plenty mm. of them. We had our, our reforestation project uh, actually extended, uh, it connected uh, to other forested areas so that there was quite a biological corridor um, that, that went all the way down to the lake. And um, as a consequence, we attracted more more bands of monkeys. and. Um, the monkeys are they're howler monkeys, and what that means is that they howl and they make a lot of noise. And, uh, every morning at five o'clock, like clockwork. I mean, they just they start, you know, it's oh, like uh, reveille and uh, and taps at the end of the day. They just uh, you know uh, announce the morning and they announce the evening, and uh, you know if you if you uh, you really can't sleep. True. At, uh, at five o'clock, you're up. You know, there's just no way. Um, that's one way not to oversleep if you have to go to work. That's for sure. Oh my God, I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> but you know what? My my favorite house when I go to the zoo, the zoo's closed up here now. But it's my is the reptile house with the snakes. I've always been fascinated by them. I have no idea why. But yeah. They, they, yeah, they, they are just, fascinating creatures. They are fascinating. I had a parent. I was the dean of discipline, and um, before I got my, when I had my AP license and principal's license, and one of the parents said I was very tough, so he brought a snake to school. At the end of the day, and I looked at him. I go, "You didn't really bring that in here." It was a bow constrictor, and then he had a uh, uh-huh. rattlesnake, 
And they wanted to see, he, well, he did it on purpose, to see if I was brave. So I, I took the book and said, it didn't bother me, and took the other one. He looked at me, I said, now you won't mess with this girl from the Bronx ever again? They got the point. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you didn't really touch this thing. You didn't really do it. And the kids were looking at me. No wonder nobody messes with her. I was like, I'm little. I, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. I said, please don't bring that again. So they brought a, I mean, you, you never knew it was going to come through the front door in this place. You had no idea. It was a tough school in the Bronx, and you just had to be tough. So every chapter, this was interesting, has a different heading, which explains what we will learn about the gardens of progress or the issues. How did you determine the sequence of events and what you wanted to share about this garden? Do I still want pictures of, seriously? Well, Basically, you know, the book is organized by months, and, and so it yeah. just follows the course. Um, um, just it, 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 tracing the seasons. Um, there are seasons here, even though uh, you know it, it's green all year round. Um, and the different animals, different flora, different uh, uh, plants are, are, are visible at different times of the year, and so on. So it's I don't know, I wanted to kind of tell the story of the, the natural world around me as well as the story of Avelio's garden. So um, there are stories about bugs and flowers and, and uh, trees. It must be fascinating, though, but sometimes wouldn't, isn't it get kind of like uh, scary that something's going to attack or bite or something like that? Well, you're careful, you know, when you live in this part of the world. You just, you know, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, we had both on the property, but some of the structures don't go after people. You know, they go after small stuff, like squirrels and birds and so on. Um, um, I've seen them a couple times, and they're not um, they're not particularly scary. They're, you know, they're big, <laughs> but, they're, mm-hmm. but, you know, they they're not likely to damage you. And there are lots of non-poisonous snakes around, too. So um, um, whenever I saw a snake, I just simply called called uh, our helper, Cookie, Cookie he called him, uh, to, to mm-hmm. come and get rid of it. <laughs> so he did. You know, these guys grow up in the country, and they know what they're doing. So, um, I, I would be scared if they came helpful. into the house. If they came inside, I mean, oh, my God. I mean, what was it, last year, um, there were bats in this. They don't have too many bats here, birds. And they, you can't get rid of them because they're endangered. So I, I happened to walk into my room to do something to my show, and there was a bat in here. I had no idea how it got here. They didn't like me. And I wound up, I didn't get bitten by it, but they weren't sure if he, you know, did, went something on the computer or whatever, so I wound up having to get rabies shots. Uh, that was something I could have lived without. But yeah, they, they yeah. you never know what you're gonna see. Oh yeah. my God, that that was like the nurse said you better come here and get your rabies shots. But there's a whole lot more than that, and all the shots together are enough to not make you sit or move for the rest of the year, <laughs> for at least forever. So yeah, it's scary. So what was his ultimate goal? How would this garden profit him and you by letting him do this? Because he's still there doing it. No, no, he's not there doing it now because it's, he's got pulled off. Um, oh. you know, there was a, a nearby field right on the other side of the, yard, the, the garden um, that belonged mm. to another property owner, and and uh, he had cows, and he wanted to 
get rid of the scrub that was kept growing up in the Indian pasture. Oh, uh, and so he just spent the... That's, that's so sad. ...the guys with um, some Roundup uh, in pumps. And it was a breezy day, and so a lot of the, you know, the, the poison blew over the fence line and, and into Avelio's garden and basically knocked it out completely. So um, that was very sad, uh, very, because we both were very emotionally involved in, in, in the garden. And uh, um, the only thing left was a little bit of rice that had escaped um, because the wind was blowing crosswise. That's so mean. That's no. That's so. That's so mean and uncalled But that's just the world the way it is. Unfortunately, that's so sad. Yeah, it is. It, it is mean. And by the time we got to the owner to tell him to, you know, to please get these guys to stop, yeah. it was too late. So um, I know. It's, yeah. It's like so no, but everywhere Avelio is, there's a garden. Right now, he's working for a, um, um, a gentleman up um, in another village who has quite a sizable property. And, um, oh, nice. And has, has built a whole bunch of, um, um, you know, above-ground um, containers, I guess you call them, um, for, for, mm-hmm. for organic vegetables. And he's putting up a greenhouse. And so uh, he's just as happy as a clam. And um, my, my husband, Roger, has built him a, a tiny house and oh, right nice. outside the house, I mean, there must be a hundred pots full of tomatoes growing, and I mean, he just can't stop, <laughs> no matter where he does, is. Does he at least so, send you some stuff to eat? Does he at least send you some fruit and vegetables? Yeah, yeah, we got we got tomatoes and and cucumbers and lettuce. Oh, and nice. Radishes and carrots and yeah, we 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 certainly shared in the provender. That was um. That was part of the deal, you know. You you, you farm mm-hmm. on our property, and we get a chance to eat some of the goodies. So yeah, that, that works very well. That that, very that well. is that is nice. So this is the other thing that was interesting. Explain your relationship with your parents. That was kind of different. Well, that was not very functional, unfortunately. I know. Yeah, um, my mother was an alcoholic, um, and um, there was some infidelity in their relationship, and uh, that just caused all kinds of tensions. And as a consequence, I think uh, my sister and I were sort of left to grow up by ourselves. Um, Fortunately, now we are very close. We weren't at the time, but we are now, and and our parents are gone, and... uh, and I think it's a relief <laughs> that mm-hmm. they're gone. Um, uh, it was just the, the, the relationships were very complicated. You know, you want approval from your parents. You want yeah, I know. Um, and uh, our, our father was just totally incapable of giving it. Uh, and my mother, because she was she was uh, drinking so much, she just uh, wasn't able to supply um, what we needed. She she was good at, at certain things. I mean, she was she was interested in languages, for example, and she mm-hmm. instilled in me uh, a desire to learn other languages and to travel. And uh, she also was very very good at um, helping me uh, express myself uh, in writing you know, on paper. And um, she would help me with uh, with my school papers and 
um, taught me a lot about logic and uh, grammar and mm-hmm. um, sentence structure. You know, she that she was interested in those kinds of things, and so uh, uh, I had a lot of support from her in in those areas. Uh, and I was studying piano, so I uh, um, mm-hmm. um, my my parents both uh, wanted me to play the piano well, and so I studied for ten years. Um, but aside from those things, um, there really wasn't the emotional support that, that both of us needed. So, uh, you know, it was a typical American dysfunctional family, I think. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, my, my mom was my mom was tough on me. Um, if I didn't get 100 on a test, I had to write it over. 99 wasn't acceptable. She was always there. But as far as the piano, mm-hmm. it's funny. Um, my, I learned to play the piano when I was six. But I didn't. Uh-huh. I wasn't. I didn't on a pa- on a paper keyboard, literally. She would not. Really? They would not buy me a piano. Yeah, my grand. My mother said, if you want to learn to play, you're gonna to have to practice on the paper keyboard and take your lesson at the school, whenever wherever it was. And finally, the guy said, after like six or seven, when I turned seven, he said, um, it's time to get her a piano. She's really good. And I heard the music in my ear. I could hear it. And he oh, said, my grandfather, my grandfather bought me a piano when I was oh, seven. Nice. And I, I, you know, something you don't believe sometimes that you could actually do the the wild things that you had to do. I mean, I must have practiced a hundred hours a day, but I didn't care because it was fun. And my teacher was a concert pianist. She was famous or something. And I had to play. I was seven years old in Carnegie Hall, the entire Waltz of the Flowers by Tchaikovsky by heart. Oh my God, that's amazing! That's what I said. Yeah. I had to do it. I think I played, it was like 12 or 15 pages. The last three pages I said, would you mind giving me the music? This is getting to be too much. And I had to do it. I was like, I, I looked at my mother. I said, this is Carnegie Hall. Famous people, and I'm seven years old. My sister didn't have to do it because my sister didn't like playing piano. So she quit, except me. But, yeah, this is this is the kind of thing, yeah. But the piano was very relaxing. So let's get back to mm-hmm. the birds. Which which birds are your favorite and why? I love birds too. Birds are really beautiful, except for the ones flying in our parking the lot. <laughs> the ones that I love right now are very nondescript. They're tiny little house friends, but they have the most beautiful and loud songs. Um, they just warble like crazy. I just love them. Um, they're not anything special to look at, but um, another one that I like a lot is um, the Oropendula, which is a, a large bird, mm-hmm. and it's got the reason they call it Oropendula is that it's got a long yellow tail. It's otherwise a, a black bird with uh, just a little red around the eyes, and uh, and it's got an amazing call. It sounds like water falling. I mean, it's just um, beautiful. Um, the um, the magpie jay is a very, very interesting bird. It's got a a, a, a very um, lovely curly cue uh, thing on its head. Um, it's, it, and it's blue. It's all blue, uh, blue and white. And, um, some of these bigger birds are not very nice uh, in the sense that they tend to rob mm-hmm. other birds' nests. Um, but still, they're beautiful to look at. Um, and the toucan, the toucan is amazing. It's uh, yeah, I like it, that bird. It sounds like a, 
it sounds like a frog. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the ugliest call. It, it sounds like a frog. Yeah. So you had, tri- it's, it's how did, what's, who was, who was Trixie and how did Trixie terrorize the Robins? And how I love, I love Robins. You can't hurt my Robins. Uh, the robins here are um, not like they don't look like the robins up there. They they are they have a color they call them the clay-breasted robins. Mm. Uh, they don't have that red breast, uh, but they look just exactly alike. Otherwise, they hop just exactly like uh, the robins in the north pot. And um, they've got this um, um, warning call when something is. Uh, threatening them, like our cats. Um, uh, we had some nesting in the eaves of the, of the porch. Um, they would come back year after year. It was just, uh, it was fun watching them raise their brood and uh, um, listening to them sing when they were all flying around. It was, um, and, and then we had swallows, too. They were they were always nesting around the house. It was um it was uh, lovely to feel that nature was just so close to us. But nobody Speaking tries of to... nature being close. No, go ahead. I got, I got it. I was going to say, um, speaking of nature, uh, I just saw a couple of coyotes the other morning that I was getting up. Oh, God. And one <laughs> night, one night, <laughs> one night yeah. a few months ago, they, uh, they just, uh, they were right around my house, and they, they this is just a little cabin you know, near the lake. They were, they were right around my house, and they were just singing to beat the band. They were just, you know, howling and, and uh, yipping Ooh. and yowling. And, I mean, it was just, they have apparently 11 different vocalizations. Oh, I didn't God. know that. Somebody wrote that to me on Facebook later. Um, but yeah, they they um, were going through all of them, and it lasted for about 15 minutes. So I just mm-hmm. I just got goosebumps. It was, just, it was just so magnificent to be that close to something wild. I really appreciate the wildness uh, where I live. Well, they don't appreciate them up here, let me tell you. And I'm in Westchester, and there's a black bear hunting around here too, somewhere. And they said they can't do anything about uh, it because he's he's tame. And they go like he better not come over here because definitely not. So the question I was going to ask is, I mean, there's so much wildlife out there, and so many different kinds of animals. People don't hunt them or try to capture them or or hurt or kill them, do they? I, I would that would be horrible. Well, it's against the law to hunt wildlife now. Although in, in yeah. prior years, yeah, they would uh, they would kill monkeys uh, and deer and so on. For, for food, you know, it's a poor part of the world, and um, and so that kind of activity was necessary. Um, but yeah, it's illegal now to hunt for wildlife in Costa Rica, and so we have wardens now in in, in the park, uh-huh. and, and uh, um, every once in a while they catch somebody, but it's um, it's against the law. And the animals down there, the animals down there haven't gotten the virus like up here. Because up here, a couple of the cats, no. a couple of the lions, they've gone, thank God, because trust me, you <laughs> nobody wants that's, that. That's nobody really wants that. I, yeah, because they, they got it up here, yeah. No, the animals here are not, um, have not um, um, succumbed 
to the to the virus. Thank God. It's Thank just, God. Uh, just people. Yeah. No, we have um, we have low numbers here uh, because uh, you're lucky. Uh, and I think we have a little little over a thousand cases, and there've been uh, I think ten or eleven deaths. But you know, it's a tiny That's country, horrible. and we shut down the borders right away, and and which is a our economy. I don't know how we're going to we're going to recover because our economy yeah, is know. largely dependent on on tourism, and with no tourism, uh, people are losing jobs, and um, uh, it's it's being difficult. I I told my sister something the other day. We were on the phone, and uh, um, one of the ways the government is um, collecting extra money to help people who, who are in dire straits is mm-hmm. uh, keeping gasoline. The gasoline prices at the pump are high, even though mm. the prices internationally are, are down really, really low. And yeah, they're down dollar ninety nine a gallon. It's not so bad. No, well, here it's uh, like four or five dollars. Yeah, I so, believe that. They don't uh, want people to travel, I guess. Well, then there are restrictions on travel also. So. Um, oh wow. The air is clear. The air is a lot clearer and. Uh, um, uh, but what's interesting is that nobody's complaining about all of these restrictions. Nobody's You're lucky. complaining. They're very, they're very, very good. Um, yeah. That that's lucky so, because up here, it it people people. I wear a mask when I go out. I can't stand it because it makes mm-hmm. me sick. But I wear a mask when I go out. Um, I go into a store. I wear a mask. You don't have to wear it Thank if you. you're walking in the street, but if there's a lot of people, I wear it anyway. You know, just because I want to uh-huh. prevent somebody else from getting sick. You're not preventing you. You're preventing that. They're preventing you're preventing somebody else. But there are a lot of people right. that that don't. Um, just listening to the, just watching the the protests and stuff like that, and listening to them carry on. And as the governor said, you made your point, and you you you, you win. So let's see what we could do to fix this and work together. And he's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many how many times are you going to scream the same thing? So another thing that fascinated me in this book, you know, it's funny. I read this and I'm saying it's a memo, but it's very different. Because you could swore like you're learning about the flora, the funny women, animals. You're learning so much that I, I could imagine that high schools and kids in other countries can learn an awful lot about your country just by reading this book. And that, that that's what it seems mm-hmm. like to me anyway. I think so. Yes. Yeah, there's an educational component to it, definitely. Yeah. That's the that's yeah. the educator in I, me. I was, that's, that's the, that's I the educator kind of in me. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, it really is an adult book because of the content. Uh, to do with my yeah. memoir. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly, um, if you want to know what it's like here, the book, the book uh, is certainly... Certainly help. Well, there are a lot of people that have asked me about this, and I give away my books when I'm done with the interviews. Well, that's nice. So, that's nice. Yeah, I do, because I'm like the library of the building. And since the library is closed and now they're opening it only for curbside, you have to order what they have there. I'm the best, I'm the best bet to get the new ones because nobody's got them. Nobody has them. So I'm very popular, at least for that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I mean, really. A, what could I say? That's a good idea. So, yeah. um, how do you identify when you had to identify the birds and the fauna and the fauna and create your glossary and this stuff? How did you how did you manage to figure out which is which and how did you how do you handle so many of them? I mean, 
it must be exciting just to see the different animals. But do you ever get worried that they're going to come inside? Uh, no. Um, occasionally a hummingbird would fly in. and um, Oh, that's nice. You have to try, to try to catch it and save it. And uh, um, I've, I've rescued a lot of hummingbirds over the years. Mm. Um, because uh, and, and occasionally a cat will walk in with a bird, you know, and it's when it's jaws, and so you, oh, you wow. pry open the jaws. You try to rescue the bird, and you know that that happens. That's a that's just a um, you know something that you have to accept when you have cats as pets uh, that they're going to catch stuff. Um, but uh, I did a lot of reading and studying uh, to identify mm-hmm. things, and also I had. The help of Avelio and and Cookie, they, who grew up in the countryside, yeah, and we so didn't they talk knew about all him. these animals. Do you want to talk about Cookie? Yeah, Cookie um, unfortunately died uh, just uh, about six months ago. Um, oh, that's sad. He, yeah, he was also an alcoholic, but he was a binge alcoholic, mm-hmm. and he would go off. He would go off for a week or two weeks, and um, we would manage to survive without his. Help. I mean, he was the yard man and a general factotum around around the farm, and um, um, you know, we cut the grass and and trim the shrubs. Although trimming the shrubs was uh, <laughs> we we got into a lot of a lot of arguments, um, which were pretty funny. Um, he he was uh, he came from a very poor family. He had um, four kids. Four kids or five kids. Um, yeah, there were six in the household altogether, and so uh, uh, you know, and he was making a, a, a peon's wage. Um, and so we tried to be generous whenever we could. Uh, I, I was helping his kids uh, with their school supplies, mm-hmm. um, and finally, one of them graduated from, from high school, first one ever in the family. Um, you know, when you live when you live with poverty around you, you your yeah. perspective changes. I think. Um, anyway, Cookie was a real pain in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> I, we were very fond of. <laughs> we were very fond of him, but he didn't like having a female boss. He was a real machista uh, guy. Yeah, I can so imagine. He would argue with me. He would argue with me, and uh, finally Rosa one day had to say to him, and Rosa was uh, our housekeeper. You know, Cookie Sandy's the boss. You know, you have to you have to do what she says and, and not not fight with her. Uh, but that didn't do any good. Um, it didn't do any good. Um, well, there are some men anyway, that are like that. Was, they don't understand that we we know that we are you know wonderful and brilliant, and they don't want to take direction from us. Seriously, that's so sad. That's right. That's right. And this is a a pretty much easy country. Uh, um, um, you know, it's, it's, it's Latin America. Um, yeah. It, uh, we are finally, we have finally allowed um, gay marriage in Costa Rica just recently. Um, so that's real progress. Uh, it must be beautiful, though. I'd love to see pictures. So there are a lot of people listening. I know they are. And on Facebook, they drive me crazy. What are you doing? What are you listening to? Whatever. And they listen after. So if people were going to come and visit, 
if they ever ever do, you know take the travel restrictions off, um, what are three things that you want people to see? You know, if they come to Costa Rica, and is there anything that you miss about living anywhere else, or, or are you happy? You're just so happy that you're there. I'm very happy that I'm here. I mean, it's been 30 years, friend. Um, I'm not wow. going anywhere. I, mean, I travel, but I'm not going. I'm not going back to the states. I'm a citizen now of Costa Rica. So um, nice. I live in the in, in the in the highlands, the northern highlands of Costa Rica. Where it's, it's very, very beautiful. It's got a spring-like climate mm-hmm. most of the time. It's, there's this gorgeous lake called Aranal. It's the biggest lake in the country. And um, but there are people who are beach people. It's just a, nothing but beach people. So uh, we've got mm. a zillion gorgeous beaches. Um, so if, uh, and people often come here for the beaches. So they fly into the Liberia airport, and uh, they're very close to the beaches from there. Um, uh, I, I really can't recommend San Jose, although if, if you San Jose is a city you get to know over a, period, a long period of time. There, there are museums there that are worth seeing. There are... Uh, art galleries. Um, uh, the city is, has really um, grown up in the 30 years that I've been here. Um, there's a very beautiful park in the center of the, of the city. Uh, um, uh, but it has a totally different feeling there than, than being out in the country. So um, mm. I'm, not, I'm not a city person anymore. I, I lived in cities during my working life in, in in Philadelphia and New York, and uh, I wouldn't go back to that. I just couldn't. Um, but, yeah, so the beaches, and then there are also some wonderful national parks. Oh, uh, nice. But, yeah, where, um, you know, you, you can just hike through them and, and see animals and birds and uh, and the flora that, that are just unique to, to Costa Rica. There are a lot of species here that are completely indigenous to this country. They don't exist elsewhere. Um, and so you come to that. There's also uh, uh, whaling, um, not whaling to fish, but whaling to sea uh, at certain times of the year because they come up, uh, they come up to, um, to breed. Um, they come up from Antarctica and they come down the Arctic, and they um, they come in to see several protected bays along the Pacific coast where they they gather. And um, so at certain times of the year, I think November is a good month to come and visit the whales. They're beautiful. They're just they're just amazing. Um, you know, I worry because of what's happening up here during this this horrible pandemic. And as an educator of a million years. Um, I don't like what I hear about social distancing learning and they don't can't open the schools. How is that working in Costa Rica? How is the educational system different? Because up here, uh, I taught in a New York City public school, and up until I, I retired, I mean, the school was very was great. The kids were, you know, uh, different kinds of families, and I loved every one of them, and I never had a problem. But now the educational system is different. The chancellor doesn't know what he's doing. The mayor has no clue about anything. What are they doing? Are they having social distancing learning um, in Costa Rica? Is it the same as right up here? Right now the schools are closed. The schools have been closed. They're closed for, up here. They've been, um, closed in, they've been closed since March. Yeah, same here. 
they're, they're talking about opening them up uh, on, in, in, in August, the beginning of August, so we'll see. Um, the, the school system here is centrally controlled. I mean, it's the Ministry of Education, and the curriculum is the same in every school. Um, the exams are the same. Uh, and there's more of an emphasis on rote learning than there is on learning how to think for yourself, unfortunately. It's not the ideal system. If you want a good education for your kids, you, you, get, you go to a private school. There are a bunch I of them. I got you. Um, and some of them are, are bilingual, too. I and mean, then a lot of parents uh, who have the means. Um, I, I, I know one, one friend uh, who has a daughter who's about 15, and she's, she's going to one of these bilingual private schools, and it costs a thousand bucks a month. Um, wow. You know, it's not, a lot of people, not a lot of people have those kinds of resources, so they depend on the public education. You know, and it's, it's not... It's not bad. Uh, there are a lot of a lot more people now, for example, are learning to speak English uh, because it's mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that's really important for for job opportunities. Um, when we first got here, nobody spoke any English, hardly anybody. Um, mm-hmm. But now a lot more people are speaking English, and it's, um, um, they're teaching it better in schools than they were. So it, it's. Um, um, it's not ideal, but at least what's happening is uh, you've got an educated workforce. You've got people at least with high school degrees. And then the That's university great. system is a state system. There are private universities, but there's uh, several big state universities. Um, and um, they uh, are relatively cheap to go to. I mean, you don't, we're not talking $60,000 a year to go to a university. It's, uh, um, it's almost nothing. Um, so, um, you know, they're supported by the state. Um, You're lucky because my brother's not, paying. My, my nephew went to, my nephew graduated two years ago. He got a really good job. My other nephew just became an investment banker, but my brother is paying a fortune. And the last one um, is on a baseball scholarship, thank God, but he's still paying twenty five, thirty thousand dollars for a year because you only get half. You don't get all of it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't keep right. your grades up, he's got a 4.0 index. He's like he's like his aunt, yeah. But if you don't keep up your average, you're out. You're automatically yeah. out. Yeah. Which which right. is really sad. So we have a few more minutes. What what are the what was your most favorite thing that Avilio planted? And what was his most favorite thing that he planted? He planted a lot of interesting things. One of them, I mean, it just totally useless. It was a, a shrub that produced uh, a fruit that um, could be pressed and the oil could be used mm. as a biofuel. We were not going to get into the biofuel production business and it was only one shrub, not you know a whole field of them. But uh, that was the one that amused me the most. Um, you know, because he couldn't eat it. It was totally useless. But uh, I think it provided a little bit of a windbreak for some of his other planting. Anyway. Um, that, 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 that's so, I can't eat a lot of fruit, so that's a whole other issue. Um, so if you could encourage people to move to Costa Rica, do and when the people come as tourists, does anybody ever say, I'm going to move here? Well, I want to live here. Oh, what would draw them to want to live there? 
we call it the paradise syndrome. As soon as they get off the plane, people just fall in love with this country. And they make a lot of very um, rapid decisions, unfortunately. Uh, you know, they're here for two weeks, and they decide to buy land, build a house, whatever. And it's just, been, as Roger says, my husband says, that they leave their brains at the airport. They do things here that they would never, ever do uh, at, at home. Um, I'm talking about relationships with lawyers and, and real estate mm-hmm. and just, um, <laughs> It's amazing. Um, my advice would be if you're going to come to the country and you really are serious about living abroad, which is a big decision, by the way. That's a really big mm-hmm. decision. Uh, not easy to make that kind of adjustment, especially if you don't have the language. But uh, the, um, my recommendation, our recommendation has always been rent. Rent for a year. Explore the country. Get yeah. to know the areas that you feel comfortable in. Um, and then, then decide, you know, whether you want to, where you want to buy. And, and, and uh, it's always easier to buy a house that's already built because there's just no experience with building and no experience with the language. You know, you're just going to get into all kinds of trouble. So it's um, uh, much better to buy something that's already existing. So those, those, those would be my recommendations. Well, how do they deal with all the animals there, too? I mean, a lot of people come, I mean, if you see snakes and all the other animals, they may feel like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Well, yeah. Um, I'm seriously. <laughs> I have to say, though, in my 30 years here, I haven't seen very many snakes. Um, I've seen a couple of coral snakes. Um, I've seen uh, a little palm viper that curled up on top of one of my bonsai plants. Um a boa constrictor, of course. Um, oh God. What else? Uh, but, but they're not scary. They, you know, they, they're not. They just, you know, they just, uh, they go after small fry, birds and, and squirrels and things. Um, but I wonder how they would feel if they heard the monkeys and the coyotes screaming. <laughs> I mean, like, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, they, they, it's better than an alarm clock, that's for sure. You don't have to worry okay. about getting up late for yeah. work. And I'm sure the kids you know, will have no problem. I'm not going to be late for school. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, um, the coyotes don't hunt in packs. You know, it's important to know about these things and, and become a student of what's around you. Um, the coyotes don't hunt in packs. They hunt separately. And, again, they go after small things, you know, rabbits and uh and moles oh. and, uh, you know, the rats. You know, that's what they hunt for. They're not, they're not a threat to human beings at all. They're not. They, they well, they can go them. after skunks and rats. I wouldn't complain. They have skunks and we don't have rats up here, thank God. They had them in my old building where I used to live in the Bronx. You never knew when it was going to come and visit you. They used to just come through the door. Mm. Because the building itself... Right. Was the building itself when I was growing up was fine. When these other people took it over, was a nightmare. And they had the the chaps outside, and I was going to have my hair done one day. And one of these came in. I go, "It's nice to see you too. Get out of here. They're they're dangerous. They and they bite you. Forget it. They're rabid. You don't want to go. You don't want to go near them. No, no, it's 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 sad. So we have about ten minutes. Not even throughout the journey, we have many emotional challenges. Is there anything that you would change? And what is the favorite, you know, was there anything that you would change that you would not have wanted to experience coming to Costa Rica? 
Um, yeah, there were some definitely down moments. Um, the, the divorce from the husband with whom I yeah, uh, came hard. there was, was very, very ugly. And uh, But you know, there's nothing, Fran, that I, I look back on and regret. Uh, you know, I, you learn from every experience in life. Yeah. Uh, and if you, you know, when you stop, when you stop learning, you're, you're, you're dead, basically, I think. Yeah, I so, know. Uh, uh, bad experiences are, are hard, uh, but they, they teach you things. And, um, um, yeah, and I've lived here very poor also. I've got very, very poor. Um, but, uh, again, uh, I'm, I'm frugal. I couldn't live poor. I lived poor in New York City for a while, I'll tell you. Uh uh, many, many, many years ago, uh, I was working for Doubleday, and I was making $125 a week. Of course, that was gross. Net was a mm-hmm. bit under 100 and I, and I was paying $250 a month in rent. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so that gives you an idea of what kind of spending money I had. Um, mm-hmm. In any case, so you, know, you just learn to live with what you've got, that's all. Um, there's no, I don't, I don't feel the need for, for collecting things. I, um, I'm back there, at, at my age, I'm starting to divest and, and downsize and, and live more simply. It's, um, um, it's, it's been good. I feel good about my life. I do. And I feel good about all the environmental work I did too. It's a, that was very positive. A very good experience working with Costa Ricans to um, to help uh, save save the lakes, save the the, the the flora and fauna around the lake. That that's been really good experience. So that, yeah, that is, I think it's been a useful life. That that is good. I mean, I learned from a lot of experiences too. And it's funny when I first started to teach a thousand whatever. Um, I didn't think I was going to make it for the first two weeks because they gave me the toughest class in the school. They stacked it just to see if I can do it because my the assistant mm-hmm. principal was my third grade teacher and the principal wanted to see just how strong I was. I, I But the first two right. weeks I thought I was going to say whatever and I said, you know what, I'm not quitting. I'm going to do this. And I asked help. That's the other thing. You can't be afraid to ask someone that's more experienced to help you. And I had two very experienced, tough teachers that helped me. And the dean and I said, can you come in and tell me if I know what I'm doing? <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. He said, I, I mean, you know, I was sorry, two weeks. He said, you could teach the wall. He said, you, you knew right away that they weren't understanding. You changed it, whatever. Now get tough. And it, it took me a while, but I got tough. And, uh, you know, so my mother said to me, you don't have to do this if you don't want to do it. I said, no, I want to do it because these kids need me. These were the yeah. t- they, in, in the 36 years I was there, they said this was the first class that was the toughest that ever went through that school, and they couldn't believe a little five foot, little hundred eight pound thing was going to straighten them out, and they did. And it, it was probably the and I was making ninety dollars a week. That oh was my. it. Salaries back in then were not a lot, and it wasn't that long ago. And until I, until you made ten thousand dollars, you were taught ten years. It was a lot, and they froze salaries. My, so it, yeah, they, my froze, first they froze teaching them. Job they froze them. Yeah, they froze them. Mm-hmm. So you, mm-hmm. I, made, I came home with a hundred eighty dollars, 
every two weeks, and I had to give my mother half. So needless to say, I wasn't oh. going shopping for clothes. Well, you know what? That was okay. No. So yeah. what about yeah. Costa Rica is the same in 10 years? Is there anything that's that, that stayed the same, or is it very different? You mean has it changed over time? Yeah. How, has, it changed a lot over, has it changed a lot over time? Uh, well, for example, when we first got here, there were no computers. Um, there were no cell phones. Um, so those things are now everywhere. Uh, not everybody has a computer here in the, in the countryside, but everybody's got a cell phone. Um, uh, San Jose has grown a lot. There's a, a lot of uh, more, uh, how do they Yuppies. Costa Rica went, how many days was it last year? 380-some? No, it can't, wouldn't have been that much. It was 300 days at least without using any fossil fuels to produce energy. Um, oh, it wow. It was all wind power, wind power and hydropower. And um, um, so that situation has gotten a lot better. Um, the, 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 I'm thinking of the San Jose area. That really has become much more sophisticated and much more um, um, uh, you know, the more, more young, upwardly mobile couples who are speaking English. They're, they're getting mm-hmm. good jobs. They're, um, you know, these, and, and in our area, too, because we have so much wind power. Um, in our area, there are a lot of uh, wind towers around the lake. And, oh, nice. Um, so we, ha- we have a lot more young engineers and, and their families moving in. So that's, that's a change. That's a social change. Um, there's more traffic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you traffic know, yeah, it's, 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 not so before as, we uh, end, it's not as quite. Are you writing another book by any chance? I started a novel a long time ago, and I'm not sure whether I'm going to finish it. I was um, looking through it again recently, and um, oh, you should. Well, there's some good, there's some good stuff in it, but I don't know quite where it's going to go. So until I figure that out, I'm not going to work any more on it. Um, I have to think about it. I've got about 125 well. pages written, um, but it needs, it needs, it needs a purpose. Well, I'm sure you're on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, but you know what? After listening to this conversation, maybe you want to write with pictures like a travel guide for Costa Rica to get people to come there, because it's really nice. Hello? She died. That was uh, Sandra uh, Shaw Homer. I guess uh, she left the conversation. I don't know what happened that she got disconnected. Anyway, um, but everybody, have a nice day. I'm going to email her. I don't know what happened just now. But anyway, um, I guess that she lost the connection at the end of the show. Her book is on Amazon. Her book must be on Barnes & Noble. Um, The book is called Avilio's Garden. And basically, I was hoping that everybody would, you know, listen to the show and read read it. And um, I don't know what happened, but I'm just going to thank her. Thank you. You got 
disconnected. I don't know why. Anyway, everybody have a nice day, and bye.